Good afternoon. Welcome to the second episode of the uh, Lee Smith Show, the improbably named Lee Smith Show. And my special guest this week is um, friend and colleague, genius movie maker, um, policymaker, former policymaker at the U.S. Department of State. Uh, and we are going to be speaking about a number of different things today, uh, for a little while. Um, and thanks so much for, for joining us. And, uh, I think that, uh, I think that you all are going to enjoy this conversation. And I think, uh, Amanda, are, are you with us? I am. I think I am. Tell me if you can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. This is great. Very exciting. Amazing. We've pulled this off without a hitch to, to the most, well, I'll speak for myself, not the most technical. No, <laughs> you can speak for me person. too. Okay. I can All tell right. you, every, everyone who works with me would agree. All right. It takes but, a village. But here is something you do know about, and we're going to start off with very, with very explosive subject. Uh, you may have heard, or I don't know you heard, we're going we're gonna to touch on a range of different subjects here. But the, the big one I want to start off is this, um, this I, don't, I don't know if we call it a rumor or a story, that um, the, uh, the Oscars have invited Russian President Volodymyr Zelensky to address the Oscars audience tomorrow. And, and I, 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 I think it's a little nuts. And the reason I wanted to get your insight on this is not so we can find out if it's really happening. But it's, you've, I mean, you talk about you, you're, you're very um, eloquent on, on not just Hollywood, but on the Oscar ceremonies in general. And I, I think this, 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 this really is a strange moment, whether it's going to happen or not. The fact that people are putting this out there on the fact it's that insane. It, yeah. it's totally insane. I mean, it goes completely perfectly with the rest of it. It's all just this fake and gay, um, you know, performance art war that they're doing. So, like, of course, they're going to have to bring this weirdo out to speak to the other weirdos in at the Oscars. <laughs> so, like, it's so, like, if they, like, it, there is, I, I mean, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, what dystopian movie isn't this? It's not even, like, right. which one is it? There's always one where there's, like, a room full of the elite with, like, some weird guy on a screen, like, telling them things and everybody claps. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what dystopian movie doesn't have that scene? Yeah. I think this would actually be an interesting movie. Uh, you know, it would be an interesting movie to see the, the total deracination of a cultural elite and what they turn to for entertainment and edification. And I think this would be one of the things that they would be looking at. Well, I guess that's right. If you were looking back on this, you would say there were two things, two moments where politics and culture merged. And sometimes I argue sort of leapfrog each other in influence. Um, and the first one would obviously be Trump, like the election mm. of Donald Trump, which is when politics, in a sense, became bigger than entertainment and kind of entertainment itself. I mean, that all really started then. Um, but then this is like on the other side, like their version of it, which is just even weirder because it's like all embraced by like all the powers that be. It's just completely odd. Well, I want to come back. I want to come back to what you said about Trump for a second. I mean, first of all, I mean, I think we talked about this. I mean, he is hugely entertaining. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, we, I, you know, I saw you at CPAC and I was speaking with someone there like, yeah, the guy at his, at his best, I mean, he's got this real Rat Pack vibe. I mean, the way he leans over the lectern and he kind of looks in. I mean, you can almost, you know, he, I mean, he, he doesn't drink, but you can almost see him with, uh, you know, yeah. with, 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 the, with the Jack Daniels like 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 Frank. So why, 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 why do you bring him up as, you know, as, as the enter, as, as the sort of breaking point of entertainment and politics? Well, because, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, you could say, I mean, look, I wasn't around for, like, Reagan, so maybe, maybe it was like that then, but I just don't get the sense from, like, the immediacy of it um, from people's descriptions. It sounded like, obviously, he had been governor for a long time. He was a political figure at that point. It wasn't really that mm. shocking. Um, but with Donald Trump, you're like, 
it's Donald Trump from the 80s, like from the National Enquirer, and like he's going to be the president. And you're like, I mean, I love it. Like that's why I went yeah. to go work for him. But like, there is the, there are these moments where you're like, and then this is the part of the timeline where Donald Trump is president, and you're like, okay, that's sort of insane. But like, yeah. But now we've got like Zelensky, like not addressing the UN, or I mean, which obviously he has, like to disastrous effect. Um, but, like, it's not like we're tuning in to watch him talk to, like, some national body, like, you know, that whole thing when he spoke to Congress and all of that. Like, he's he's addressing the other national body, which is the audience of the Oscars. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, what are the ch- – it's actually – it'll be interesting to see if it boosts ratings, right? Because, I mean, the ratings have been uh, – ratings have been quite – Look, if that's what they have to do, like, there's people that will do anything to raise ratings. Like, you know how important it is by how much our last president talked about it. Um, But if he's if they're sitting there like we've got to raise ratings because like the 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 tranny dance troupe isn't doing it. (laughs) Like, we've got it. We've got to do something. And they're like, let's bring in Zelensky. Let's on the big screen. And they're like, if it's really exciting, maybe there could be like. You could see like the the like flash of a bomb go off like behind him with like some color and smoke perhaps and like you know a little bit of effects like some like nineteen you know forties style effects that they're doing and like there could be like a whole uh, thing with him. I, I can't imagine how actually they wouldn't accept the invitation given that I, I keep hearing that his you know that his staff it's a bunch of you know comedy writers and oh they they're and, they're putting on yeah i mean can you imagine like they're like we finally made it all we had to do is like create the scenario for a war with russia and like we finally are on the oscars look at us they're like polishing off their tuxedos they're like we've always wanted to go to the oscars in ukraine you imagine to go to the oscars it never happened <laughs> yeah Tiny country like us, Ukraine, sandwiched in between Russia and Europe, and we made it. Look, yeah, we I mean, made it. We made it, guys. We I did mean, it. Obvi- obviously, we're not making fun of of war. We're not making fun of the suffering. No, it's just but, the spectacle of the whole thing. I mean, you can't you can't look at this right. and not just like if you're honest with yourself, not just be like everything's insane. Like you, right. if you're honest. There's no other way to look at it. Anybody who's like, oh, we must be solemn and 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 listen to the the words of Zelensky at the Oscars, you're like, I'm sorry, I just can't take it seriously. Like, right? If they were decent people, someone would have stepped in. Yes, said no. And and they would have said, look, there are bad. Look, you guys, this is bad. This is going to look bad. Right. You might not know what's happening in Eastern Europe, but the reason you know Zelensky's name is because there's a war in Eastern Europe and it's really bad. And to just bring him here to the Oscars instead of the instead of the trans dance troupe, that's yeah. And just like prop him up like like on screen and like then there's going to be there's going to be shots of like various actresses like touching their eyes like with their handkerchief because he's going to tell them like the stories about like the bombed out maternity wards and then they're going to flash to like pregnant Scarlett Johansson or something and like she's going to have like a meaningful like connection with it because she's going to be like I wouldn't want to be in a bombed out maternity ward either and um yeah it's going to be awful I would imagine it's a catastrophe for the actresses I mean for the actors it's fine because they it's pretty easy to find a blue and yellow tie what are some of these actresses going to do with the last? Oh my God! What a horrendous speaking. look that would be—just all right. blue and yellow. Like, all what are they going to do? Like, share from like the dance show in like 1973 in like a jumpsuit? Like, what are they going to wear? Yeah, that's a good point. You know what they'll do? Yeah. They'll just do like blue, and then they'll all wear like yellow pins or something. Right, or yellow scarves even. Yeah, I, mean, I could actually see. Know. I could see Glenn Close pulling that off. If she's uh, this year. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. that's there'll be plenty of absurdity on the runway I'm, or the the red carpet. Well, what is what is the appropriate? Because of course you are the world famous director of the plot against the president. Talking and to so, the world famous author of the plot yeah. against the president. <laughs> All right. Um, but so what is the what? 
is the appropriate combination or where do politics and culture meet? We talked about this, uh, you and I have spoken about this a bit in the past, about telling important stories uh, about your country. I mean, we're speaking as Americans. So but where is the place where, you know, where politics and culture does meet? What can well, culture do to re- represent political events, political issues? I mean, since the Iliad, uh, you know, culture has been able, and, and well before, I guess, uh, has yeah. been able to document wars and um, the sort of trials and tribulations of one's nation in a way that doesn't make uh, the nation the enemy, which is the problem that we have yeah. now, which is that all of our mythology that we're putting out in the world because that's where it's going is into the world like but it's also going into the united states and all that it's doing is saying um you know that uh we're a terrible country we have a racist past we have this horrific uh founding and i mean you can't survive as a country if those are your if that's your mythology you know um it's 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 not like any other country um, is perfect, but they don't do that to themselves. They don't like advertise how awful they are, um, and, and, and fake it most of the time to like placate some weird, um, deranged portion of their population. Um, it's just really dangerous. Like it's, it's very bad because essentially it, it makes history. I mean, there's only certain historical events that after hundreds of years get remembered, right? Like mm. there's very, like there's, if we think about like the long stretch of time, um, but a lot of the information that you get about a civilization or just a country or anything is from their mythology and their culture, right. or whatever it was, whether it's cinema or pottery, like that's how you learn about a culture. And that's why I think that cinema was obviously the United States most important huh export all through its history um i mean once it was invented uh which also was here um but uh it's it's just horrific what they're doing i mean it, it's just it's meant to be demoralizing to the internal population and to broadcast our weakness to the international population which is they've clearly right. done a really good job at because we're sitting here talking about the war that's currently broken out in Europe, which like, right. that wasn't on my bingo card, like two years ago, like sitting smack dab in like the Trump, uh, state department. I can yeah. tell you that they're the only war on my bingo card was the ones that we were already in and could easily end. Um, right. so it's, it's really ridiculous, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 this has gone, I mean, if you think about from the Oscars, where we've come from, from, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Brando bringing up the Indian mm. to, um, the entire Oscars phoning in Zelensky is like, it's just, it's a really beautiful path to nowhere that they've done. I mean, look, you know, we spoke yesterday and look at what's happened in the last 24 hours. I don't know if you saw this, but apparently Joe Biden in Poland was giving a speech where he's basically... Yeah, where he's calling for Putin to go. I mean, but you're talking about being at the State Department. And, and I mean, if you would, we're jumping all around here, but that's how our conversations go. But if you would give some, you know, some insight into your time at the at the State Department, there were clearly people who were there, career people and internal adversaries of the Trump administration. But the idea that Donald Trump would be calling for Vladimir Putin to step down, uh, even by mistake, would be nonsense. So what do you think is going on there? No, it's insane. It's the most insane thing. It's the most dangerous, insane thing. And um, obviously, he's not thinking of this stuff himself. He's not really running anything. Like, you and I, I would say, have a pretty couple good guesses as to who's actually in charge and i would say obviously susan rice would be playing a big part there so Mm -hmm. to me i I just ask myself and i think you would too because there's nobody who better documented the obama era abuses uh than you and uh and knows knows them that to me this is just obama uh well they're having a bit of a war in their white house but 
the Obama side is so much more powerful. And that's really this is what we're seeing is like what Obama always said he wanted, which is the third term where he wasn't president, right. but he could just control everything and, right. and via his people. Um, and so you're seeing the. The, I mean, this is what a third term would look like. It's sort of a it's the next step in the decline of the United States. I mean, I sometimes like get really wacky and I'm like, is there like like this this thing with Russia is like so insane that I'm like, was there like a deal made or something? Is all of this meant to just like hand off all superpower uh, responsibilities to China or like what is this like what what could, there's no way this this amount of disastrous at every turn there's a, a mishap happens by accident yeah. well I'm, I'm in an and i wouldn't say an argument i would say a robust debate with a few friends who say who point that correctly right i know that you when you were in the state department you worked on the iran nuclear deal to undo it and to yeah. get uh you know to get America well until i mean this. i mean i i was making some real strides until pompeo came in and appointed his own iran team which was like literally the softest people on iran i've ever met in my life um who are you surprised then to... that trump was able to get out of the iran deal given well those, it's because we did it before we did it we announced it before pompeo was in ah. office that's one of the funny things is everybody gives pompeo all these weird like foreign policy credits that happened on mm. the lawn of the white house there's not one foreign policy accomplishment I can think of that actually happened at State Department, which is one of the reasons, frankly, that State Department was so hostile and, and annoyed with the Trump administration is because, you know, a handful of our biggest issues were handled specifically by a very small group of people in the White House, which is actually correct. Like, that is how it should have happened, because State Department would have fucked it. But um, the but the thing is, is that... Um, um, yeah, I mean, this, this is, this is like the, like, I, I don't want to say the dream of that part of the EUR office, mm. but this is the no, kind no, of no, thing they're like hopping yeah. around, like waiting for. They're like, right. you know, um, they're the ones that consider, I, they just, they've been waiting for this for so long. I mean, if you remember even the stuff that I was, and I didn't cover, you know, European affairs particularly maybe if it was like an international event or something like that but like i'm you know calm so yet you get involved in everything but the amount of constant the concentration of incredibly politically motivated Hmm. ideologues in the ukraine russia territory of the eur world is uh was was stunning and then i mean i mean you and i documented this right i mean a lot of these yeah. people drove russiagate and then the first impeachment of donald trump right that's, that's all they were that, doing and they that's were that's it, why right. they they didn't want any political appointees that weren't totally bought and sold anywhere near their stuff uh once we had become privy of a certain uh potentially allegedly illegal act by the uh uh, the ambassador to the Ukraine at the time, who was one of the key individuals um, in trying in this, I think the second impeachment. <laughs> I get them confused. Yeah. There were so many Ser- serial um, impeachments. Yeah, yeah, that like, um, but you know, Pompeo would have had the ability to um, reveal all of that, and right to me, that was the big kicker to being like, yeah, this is not a for real person. They don't, they don't want an upheaval. They don't want the drama of what actually right. happened to be revealed because they just want to make it through the term and come out looking like a statesman and right. and and run for office. So that's like my my usual complaint about Trump appointees, which is just that there were not enough willing to just go running headfirst into the fire and not padding yeah. their resumes. I mean, it's it's weird, right? Because Washington is not necessarily the place you draw uh, that that produces a lot of people like that, right? And, and I mean, they're, yeah. They're so why would we hire all yeah. of them from uh, the hill? Like it was like, oh, I wonder why this is such a disaster. Yeah. Um, well, look, what what was the not not with Trump because we know that Donald Trump did not want to uh, engage in more conflict, especially not with a nuclear. Uh, Especially not right. with a, a power with 
vast nuclear arsenal in the middle of Europe. I mean, didn't we used to be afraid of stuff like that? Like, that's the funniest thing is, like, we literally are, like, as a country, just like, well, maybe there'll be nuclear war. And you're like, there was an entire 20 years where that was everyone's biggest fear. Like, what is wrong with you? This is hysterical. This comes back to the stories that a nation tells. And, of course, these were stories that were mostly told by the left during the 60s, 70s, and 80s right, right? when the, the left was the left right. when we've we've now we've all when they were the anti-war party and it was just now there's like i hate to be like you know the democrats about this but there's just been this massive switch as far as like war is concerned what was the idea of these people again i know they didn't necessarily have that activist say in the trump administration but what was their idea about russia i think this is one thing that's really baffling to a lot of people since the end of the Cold War, has the United States actually had a real policy toward Russia no. or toward no. Vladimir Putin? So what's the idea? No, that's what I'm, it's, it's absolutely stupid. And I, you reach the top, supposedly, of the halls of the thinking world in the State Department uh, up in p- policy planning where I worked for as just a my boss's sort of handler for like, you know, six months. Um, And this is where all of the best and brightest ideas are supposed to be coming from. And they, they have, first of all, no, they had like no coherent policy on China, which was insane. And you're like, that they're like scrambling around freaking out because they're just like, Oh, actually this is really bad. And you're like, you guys have been watching the shop for the last 40 years. Like, how did you like, how did this happen? Um, and then additionally, you've got the EUR department or the anybody dealing with the Russia stuff who's they're literally still sitting on like, what is it? The letter X, the um, what's his oh, name? The, the, uh, the yeah. cannon. The cannon. Yeah, they're still they're uh, still letter, sitting yeah, on right. they're still riding high on the cannon letter. Right. Yeah. That, as that though it's like as sense. though it's like 1989. I mean, it's it's like they're like, well, they're our biggest enemy. And you're like, How? How are they our big? We just got like literally people died last night from like Iranian uh, backed weapons at our own embassy in Iraq. And you guys are like right. sitting here freaking out about like what Russia's doing. It's just like, yeah, it was bizarre to see. I mean, so you mentioned something about China and this started. I interrupted. Uh, sorry, but you were saying, was there a deal made for the United States to. For the United States, for the Biden administration, basically to call a fire sale, and, right? Uh, and sell it. Well, how do you? Cheap, how else you know? do you look at the? Somebody told me the other day, so it'd have to be fact checked because I don't know if it's actually true. But the <laughs> the the, the so it sounds good though. Um, a, we'll the, fact uh, check it. We'll fact check it. Fact later. check it later. Don't, yeah. Don't worry. No one. Okay, knows, so no I one was told that the uh, amount of money and equipment that we abandoned in Afghanistan um, is like the largest handover of arms to an enemy that ever happened in the history of war. That, oh, that I, that I absolutely believe. I mean, I do too. I I, I mean, it's especially considering the cost of everything these days. It's like these, like one airplane is like, you know, I, I remember, I think it was during the, I think it was during the George W. Bush years. And this is when I was, you know, mostly covering the Middle East. And I remember that the Syrians were always trying to get the Americans, uh, us, was always trying to get the uh, government of the United States to transfer night vision goggles. Right? right. And that's, and that's one of the decisive, that's one of the decisive differences between our, you know, between our, our, our uh, tip of the spear forces going after terrorists and other bad guys and other people, their, their ability to operate in, in, in those kinds yeah. of circumstances. And, and, you know, when you would hear like, no, this is nuts. The idea of it giving to the Syrians, they'll pass it off to Hezbollah and other terror forces. This is crazy. But the night vision goggles is just, it, it, it's, it's sort of like, one of the smallest possible things that they left the Taliban, right? Oh yeah, no, who were, it goes immediately to China and it's like, it's, and, and whoever else, I mean, yeah, a fire sale, like Iran, whoever, it's like a, it's like a nightmarish, like, uh, 
garage sale happening in Afghanistan when, yeah, the night vision goggles are the least of the right, issues. The like, of, I mean, how about the, like, stealth helicopters and, like, all the cool shit we developed over the few, like, the last, you know, 20 years? But, right, you know, right. Raytheon won't get their contract to, and, and some of these other defense contractors won't get their contract to create more of these things. Boeing won't. All these big organizations, like, if we're that superior, they've got nothing to do. So they have to, like, keep leveling the playing field so that they have, like, an arms race to participate in. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, well, we can talk about the Saudis later if we need to and the China's entreaties with them. But, I mean, mean, what I want to know is a question I think about a lot. Why? What has happened to our ruling class what has happened to, and whether we're talking about our, our cultural elites in Hollywood, whether we're talking about our political elites in, 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 in Washington, why do they want to give these things away? Why is there a fire sale? Why does it appear there's the intentional demolition? We talked about the, the campaign of demoralization and desecration, which is about tearing down our stories, our monuments, our history. Right. Why? That's what we what, we talked about what, the other day. That the each what, of these what's movies happened? that they yeah, it's right. it's another version of tearing down the monuments. I mean when they like, you know, make uh you know, John Wayne gay in the next movie that they put out, it's a ter- it is a tearing down of the monuments of these cinematic monuments. Um but the why, I mean, I I can't think of a reason that doesn't sound insane. So, like, no, I, please I mean, go go ahead. I, I spent the you know the, the time I spent writing about the Middle East and the Iran deal. I'm coming up with all these ideas. Well, they've got this bank crazy bank shed idea. If they do this and this, they get that. But I, I no longer believe there was any no, actual. There is no, 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 no. I I think that a hundred percent that like there's some kind of backhanded deal where I think my thing is that I always look at stability. Um, and I think them wanting instability because that's what makes more money for like the people that actually run our country, um, that there has to always be some form of instability. There can never just be stability, which is what the Trump administration was doing in the Middle East, which is why it's, it right. was such a yeah, threat to right. them, which is why they all come, came running to us, freaking out, being like, oh, my God, if you open this embassy, the Middle East will burn. And you're like... Right. No, it won't, and it didn't, yeah. and uh, everything actually just became economically better for everyone that lived in the participating countries, right. and um, they don't want that. They want, and so when they, when they, Iran is their last sort of nutcase regime that they can mess with and fund and therefore destabilize the region because if you look because the problem is also if you have to like look 40 years down the line instead of four years down the line which is like most americans can only look past the next administration which is one of our we you know we've talked about everybody talks about this that works in foreign policy which is you know china makes 100 year plans uh other countries make 50 year plans we make five year plans and like that is a big problem but that's part of our system right like the united states has just become so politically divided that every four years other countries don't know what positions we'll be taking because they'll be so diametrically opposed to the the administration before so that's a issue national security wise um but the the thing with the destabilization in the middle east is like it's so obvious to me that like being that iran Actually, the things that they, what I always try to explain to people is like, Persians aren't Arabs. I don't know why people don't understand mm-hmm. that, but like, um, it's like if you, they're like a real country. They used to be our ally. They could easily be our ally again. All the things that they told us that were lies about fake countries that were sort of recently created by like yeah. um, England and America, such as Iraq mm-hmm. and Afghanistan, that like are just literally just lines on a map. Yeah. Um, um, all the things they used to tell us about them are actually true about Iran. Like it has like its own language. Its borders haven't changed in, you know, many years. It's been around forever. It's like you can, it, it, it's basically, I try to explain it in a way where it's like, it could actually be a democratic ally. 
And I say that with de democratic in the you know loosest terms, but it actually if you're gonna if you're gonna be fine with like you know uh, Jordan's government, like I don't see any reason why we can't have like a have a have a fairly decent uh, quote unquote democracy in Iran. Do you, um, you want to return? The, do you want to return the Shah to Iran? That's what I mean. No, I, I, I specifically don't. That's the, that's the other thing is that, like, I don't want any more CIA bullshit is the whole point. It's like the, the people themselves, I think, could actually um, govern themselves better than a bunch of um, wayward different tribes that they tried to throw together in one country called Iraq. I mean, yeah. that's it's a completely different situation. So. I, I try to explain that a lot to my, because it, usually I'm on the sort of more like, you know, I, I don't know if it's isolationist, but just not hmm. foreign entanglement side of the right. But right. Um, on the Iran thing, it's like so much of our folks on that side don't understand that issue where it's like, actually, it's a balancing act. If you had a normal Iran that wasn't, it wasn't funding right. terror everywhere all the rest of the extremists would be put down because you'd have like a stable Saudi balancing out a stable and that would keep them in check, a stable Iran and a really powerful Israel. And you've got a Middle East that's not going to do a bunch of shit, um, right. that at least shit that Americans have to get involved in. Um, and that's actually the pro peace position, basically. Right. But so I think the reason they do everything they can to not do that is because a, a nuclear run is like, I mean, it'll give them something to freak out about and we, they legitimately freak out about for right. the end of time. I mean, it'll be back to like North Korea territory. Like it's the stupidest thing you could possibly do. I mean, there's no other reason to do it than there. Like that government is so weak and so easily right. toppled that like there's no reason to support uh, the mullahs over the people other than you want instability because it makes money for the arms race. Right. And, um, what, what if it, what if it is even less strategic than that? What a, a friend of mine, um, my friend, Tony Bedron, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Who we love. I, 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 we love him. I don't want to get him in trouble, but okay. he calls, he says, uh, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. And if he gets in trouble, it's on him. He calls, you know, he, he calls Barack Obama uh, an agent of chaos. Exactly. Right? That's like precisely the idea, because chaos makes money. Right. But it also, but here's the thing. It also, okay, for instance, we're talking about the Iran deal. This is something that really got my attention, because the Saudis now are, they have been for a long time freaked out about the prospect of the Iranians getting a nuclear bomb. Right. And now the Saudis are talking about things like buying arms from the Chinese instead of the United States. They're talking about uh, partnering with Beijing. But that's why Washington. that's why that's why these 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 incoherent messages that we send the rest of the world is re it's really bad because they knew that we were dealing with them as far as like the Trump admin was dealing with them really well. Right. It was going incredibly well. I mean, I was shocked. Like, I, it's not like I was mm. like, oh, yay, <laughs> more opportunities to go to Saudi Arabia. No. But, um, but did you uh, did, did you no, because did you actually when, when, when I was, I had an, uh, I managed to get a visa, but there would, they, we realized um, there would be no point because this was back during the president's first trip, which if you remember, mm. Oh, I yeah, think it yeah, was sure. Saudi first, then Israel, then Brussels, yeah. then uh, mm -hmm. Italy. Uh, so yeah, they the, put the, 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 there were the great scenes of the sword dances. It was fantastic. <laughs> God, it was, it was like a great trip. Yeah. It was absurd. No, but but what ended up happening is actually because this was early enough into the, you know, this was 40, 30 days into the administration. Forty days. None of these agreements had been made at that point and um they were getting sort of reports back that to advance this trip which we would have been doing as the video team um that there was no point in sending girls to saudi because like even the workers there like wouldn't like listen to them as far as like where to like put like the bike rack or whatever so they were like we're just sending guys hmm. and so i got asked from saudi which yeah. actually was like uh... totally fine with 
Because I was like, I, I as like a Jewish female that doesn't really hold a ton of rank, like all I could see was like myself falling off a bus or something and them just like forgetting me there. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to go to Saudi with like, like the only other thing I had in my passport was like an Israeli visa. I was like, I don't, uh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, but you might have missed, you might have met like a famous prince or something like that. Like a famous yeah, Saudi I'm, prince. Yeah, I could have changed my whole I mean, life. Could have been a lot better, but yeah. um, I, I chose the, the, the yeah. stronger path of going just straight to Israel and Brussels. Yeah, but so. The idea, though, that the United States may lose this partnership with Saudi Arabia, which for all its troubles, is the swing producer of oil and our relationship yep. with Riyadh has kept the global economy relatively stable. The idea that that the Biden or Obama Biden faction yeah. Wants instead to go with an, with a, a, a destabilizing regime like Iran again. I, exactly. It's not just them them choosing the Islamic Republic. Like, what are the consequences for the United States? Well, That's yeah. Well, like, what could possibly yeah. be the benefit? Is the thing is you're like right. That that what I want to know is like like somebody like I'll listen. Like someone from that camp, like tell me what is the benefit of like helping Iran get the bomb. Like, just explain to me, like, cause like they'll keep saying, they're like, Oh, well, our deal is going to keep them from getting the bomb. And you're like, no, cause if you wanted yeah. that, the deal would just say you're not getting the bomb. Like, right. It's right. not so like, it's, it's not like it hard. Be, right. Like there's so much language. Bomb. Like, it's insane. Yeah. And like, like, so what? Right. No, and that, yes. And the way they've sold it is, They've been doing it for years, and it's very important. It's one of right. the first info ops that they did. But what if, what if it is again? What if what we're watching across the board is our establishment just waging a a, a broad campaign on us against the United States? Yeah, yeah. Part of the campaign of demoralization yes. and that desecration. Is what's you, you, so that's there's no other reason for it. Like that's of course that's what's going on. I mean, it's like the only thing that makes sense when you look at like the two Obama terms and the, you know, on the international stage, and then what's going on now. There's no, there's. I mean, to me, it seems like there's no other um, answer but like a massive transfer of power and the continuing of the uh, managed decline of the United States, which is something. That I'm not even sure. I'm not even, a lot I'm not, about. I, I'm not I'm sure not it's that sure well managed. Managing it, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I, it's more like they're. It's, a, it's the. It's it, they're forcing it's it. The, uh, it's the. It's the completely chaotic, totally unmanaged, like. Right. Um, yeah, that's a point. Decline of the United States. It's just. It's like flopping yeah. around. It's not actually managed at all. Right. What do you mean, manage decline? This is not like someone has gently and kindly put the United <laughs> States in a, in a, in a, in, in a, an elderly care facility or something yeah. like this. this is, no, it's basically, this is, they this took is, us, right. it's like a gangster shooting. It's like, they just took yeah. the United States out back against a wall and just shot it. And you're like, uh, what? We were the superpower by accident and you guys screwed that up. Like, that's the thing that I can't get over is just the audacity of like accidentally becoming a superpower basically. And then like being an experimental country in the first place. And then you're like, Oh, and then it turns out like our, like all of our, as America, you know, idealists, all of our uh, propositions came true where it was like, Oh, this is a, a good way to run a country. Like, look, you can have freedom. You can have these things uh. and you can have, individual rights and the government isn't more powerful than you are and da 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 and like and meanwhile we became a superpower and put the a man on the moon and da 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 like now they're just doing like anything they can to be the exact opposite of that and to just like and that's the thing is I don't understand I mean aside from the elite trusting that they will always get out on top right. which I can't blame them because if you look throughout history it's not like that hasn't happened. Like, it's just, I didn't think there were people that were that evil in our country, but you're like, okay, yeah, okay. The elite will probably always find a way to their bunker in New Zealand and whatever. 
but like why you would take a country and just thrust it into being not a superpower. I don't think that's the thing I don't think Americans are ready for. Like that's what they're starting to see is like what it's like to be not a superpower. Like Saudi Arabia doesn't want to return our calls. You're like, okay, well that was never a reality before. Like any country in the entire world would like drop everything they were doing to talk to any leader in the United States, even like a, even like a low level foreign service officer gets sent to one of some of these countries and they're treated like, you know, uh, 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 you know, Prince William and, 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 and what's her name? Catherine on the, on being carried on the chairs through the town. It's Mm. that's, that was the life of diplomats everywhere for a while. And it's like, um, I just can't believe that they would, I just, yeah, I just don't think people are ready for it. They're not ready for turning on the TV, seeing world affairs and normal Americans, even like just that aren't involved in any part of government. When they see this stuff that turned on the TV, like these chaotic situations around the world, they're like, well, we should just be able to fix that with a phone call. Like everyone has that in their mind and that's no longer the case. And that's insane. I just don't think people are ready for what that's going to feel like. I, I'm right. I, I mean, I, I, I guess the way you could put it, and I, I, I have family members who would put it like this. They would say, like, well, I don't know what. Italy is not Rome anymore. And Italy is not so bad a place. Still have great food. They used to make great shoes. Now it's the Japanese and Chinese who make them. But Italy is not a terribly bad place to live. Florence is wonderful. And that would be what that's how people w- might describe the markdown of the United States, but that's not what it's going to look like. No, and because they're going to have to reap. They're going to, they're going to take all the money first and then they, they're never going right. to stop because it's too powerful of a country. They're going to have to like constantly be degrading people, constantly be rewriting history, constantly be, um, just, uh, you know, the demoralization and, uh, and destruction continue. That's the other thing. The people, the people who have, who have led countries that are, or civilizations that are no longer what they are. It's not clear. You started with the Iliad. I mean, you know, there were certain Athenians who ran down Athens, but what we're seeing now, again, it's, it's a broad campaign of what's of, of of it's a broad campaign of demoralization. So, and nonetheless, are we hopeful and optimistic about our great country? And if we are, what are our sources of optimism? Not just now, but we started by talking about the stories that a nation tells. So, what are the stories that we need to go back to to generate the optimism required? the love of country required to save our country. Well, in the past, I mean, you would have um, things like, you know, at a time like this, you would certainly have Hollywood, um, even in the 90s, I guess, like pushing out like tons of great American war, you know, Mm. memorabilia stories, like, you know, classic tales of American uh, American and, 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 you know, Western values overcoming yeah. all of this and that, like, you don't see that. All you see is gay Superman. Like there's not, there's no, right. there is no attempt to like go find, uh, you know, this generation's version of my dad and get him to hurry and write a red yeah. on too. That actually makes any sense. Um, they're no, not trying is, to do that. This is it. This is very important because talking about resilience and resourcefulness, this is why, you know, why, uh, why everyone still watches Red Dawn. Why, yeah. And, 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 and why Rocky is, uh, you know, why, why Rocky is a central part of American oh, history. Dude, double feature. History, right? By the way, like that, that those <laughs> yeah. two movies. So I've, I've talked to folks who saw those two movies in the 80s, yeah. double feature in Israel. And oh, wow. they, the whole audience <laughs> was like, losing their mind like they were just like yeah like it was like Uh, like it was like the spirit was so high at that time right and i hear stories about it all the time i mean like that's half the reason like um half the conversations i end up having sort of you know in either republican circles or like military circles or like whatever 
everybody's like, oh my God, like when I saw that movie, I was like, I'm going to enlist. Like, it's like, Uh that's, that's how it was supposed to be. And there was nothing harmful in it. It was like a truthful, I mean, my dad always said, you know, cause you know, for a while in like the nineties or so, I guess, um, they would sort of like make fun of it and they'd be like, oh, it was such a cheesy movie, da 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 da. His answer was always like, look, it's a zombie movie with Russians. Like, just imagine <laughs> that. Like, it's. <laughs> and it's kind of true. Because you're like, wow. you watch That's it with a that really in good mind. Way to put it. Right. Yeah, you're like, you're like, but like, because you've seen all these horror movies where they like booby trap yeah. things and they're like, we got to beat the zombies. And you're like, no, it's just a zombie movie with Russians. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the funniest things is that like then I get accused because I'm not like hopping excited about the uh, new World War Three that we're entering. Um, I get all kinds of whack jobs, which I'm sure you do, too, online being like, um, well, you know, since you believe in Putin and since you're like a Putin apologist yeah. and this and that and the other. And you're just like, I'm literally sitting in a room with like Red Dawn memorabilia, <laughs> like <laughs> Like, what right. are you talking about? Like, right. it's so I, stupid. I, I, I was just telling someone this morning, I was saying, yeah, it's disgraceful. It's like, it's disgraceful because the people who are on TV now, uh, on, uh, who the people who are on TV trying to explain what's happening in Europe were the same people who were employed, right, to try to destroy Donald Trump, either through Russia yeah. Gate and then through the impeachment, whether it's exactly. someone like Michael McFall or this other clown. McFall! No, you know. McFall. My favorite, my favorite account on all of Twitter is McFall. Like I can't. It's between him and Brett McGurk. I can't leave them alone. Like I just, all I want to do is troll them all day long. The guy writes like the dumbest shit on the planet. Like when the Ukraine thing started, I had to tell him. I was like, dude, shouldn't you be over there? Like this is kind of your moment. Like, yeah. But I mean, look, these are the people that we're supposed to listen to explaining what's going on. And they have the nerve. They have the nerve to call Americans who don't trust these clowns pro-Putin. Right. It's amazing. It's an amazing nerve. It is. It really is. So look, so then what kinds of stories? That's a very nice story about, uh, about how your father explains Red Dawn. And that, come to think of it, that's what it is. But yeah. I mean, all of, all of these stories, too, I mean, all of these people around the world, and you're talking about how the Israelis loved it, the Israeli audience loved it, because everyone around the world responds to this. And this is what they associated with the yeah, United States. Yeah, that's what States, they want. That's right? what they want out of a superpower. I mean, it's like right. so amazing that we had like this seemingly, at least for a while, benevolent superpower that's like never happened since like certain right. parts of like you know empires long ago like it's just not a thing um and to like give that up so easily and on purpose as you said via the agent of chaos it's just insane well look this is this is a story that you told and i know you know i don't i don't i don't want to just shine or spend the you know last few minutes shining our own shoes but this is one of the but why not yeah but i don't want to but why not um no, but I mean, I, I believe that this is one of the things that was appealing to you about Devin Nunes' story. De- Devin, of Absolutely. course, was the, was the de- debut, uh, my debut guest last week. We had a lot of fun. and um, But this is one of the things that was appealing about that story to me. And then it was appealing to you, too. So these stories still exist in our country. There are still... Right. Great America. No, like, that's why I always say he's the John Wayne of the movie. Like Cash is like the like kind of like <laughs> sidekick who just like comes in with like like, uh, I, like he's a little wild but like he's crazy but he can do it. Like, you know, yeah. like that kind of character where he's just like he flies a little too close to the sun. Um <laughs> but um but like yeah, like like the the Devin and Cash and like everyone's story for that for plot against the president um, is exactly the kind of story we need to hear because it tells right. you that not everyone's insane. Some people right. see the world exactly like you do, and there are people that are brave and are trying to get to right. the bottom of it. And these people, it's I'm I'm not I'm not talking particular about about Devin or Cash, but people who do the right thing. Yeah. Right. Americans who do the right thing. Their, their thoughts, their ideas about the right thing are structured by stories. 
whether it's whether it's our classic westerns, whether it's something like Plot Against the President, whether it's the Iliad, whether it's the Bible, human right. beings need those stories to know what the right thing is. You you can't just have you can't just be handed um, proverbs, right, and right. told what to do. You need to see it enacted and th- through through story. Absolutely. I mean, that's why they went. That's I think that's why China went after Hollywood first, because like my whole argument is that like, you know, Hollywood was the canary in the coal mine. Like people are I love getting briefings like uh, while I was at state about how like like we might have a Hollywood problem. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's been going on for like 20 years. Like it's over. Like it's not just a problem. It's like like. You know, when did, when did you first start? When did you first start to notice this? When my dad was, so my dad was trying to make Genghis Khan for like twenty years. So like, oh my somewhere, god, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's this really, really, really good script. It's probably the best thing he's ever written. It's like his magnum wow. opus. It's like the one thing he wants to see happen before he dies. It will not happen. Um, hmm. It is could, owned by too could, many people, and uh, he is too squirrely of a... I mean, he's literally told, like, 30 different people that they're producing hmm. it. And so, like, hmm. to actually, like, remove it from, like, the clutches of bullshit that he's, like, tied it to is hmm. would be almost impossible. But... um like, you'd have to cut through, like, every hooker he ever went out with to, like, get their hands off of it as a producer. Because, like, you'll see, like, you're like, you're like no. Wow, you, all right. Yeah, all right. You are not producing this movie. Um, um, and my dad will just sit there and he'll be like, but she's, yeah. she's, really, she's really good. And I'm like, shut she's up. Very, she's very insightful. Yeah, she has yeah. some good ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of shit that I have to deal with. But so, aside from those issues... One of the big holdups in the beginning. So, well, I don't know if it was some. I don't. I don't know even the beginning and timeline of the Genghis Khan story. But at some point, as a child, I went with him. He was like the thing about my dad is he had no idea what to do with children. So he would just like put you in the car and like you go to meetings all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was pretty weird. Like where he like I just remember he just like driving around going to like script meetings and I'm just like sitting there like drawing <laughs> on the table um, but um, we went to one and it was this like reading of the script by the Chinese reviewers and then the main producer and there was a translator and wait a, things wait, wait hold on I'm sorry can we just can you just go back and explain that again a reading yeah, so of the script by the Chinese there was a, this sounds fantastic there was a reading of the script um, which, you know, I mean, this would be a common thing in, in America, like the studio would want yeah. to read the script, but like my dad notoriously would leave those meetings or he'd bring a gun to that meeting and he'd be like, okay, now give me your notes. And they'd be, you know, like Jeffrey Katzenberg or something would like call the police or something like, like there are like things like that happened all the time. So the idea that like my dad gets drug out to this meeting and he's list there was it was a whole um you know circular tables there was like at least 20 people there and um it was the producer who was supposedly getting lots of things done in China they were giving him lots mm. of money but it turned out all of it was fake and it actually never came to be um but anyway so they're reading the script and things start to get heated and the translator is like translating back and forth as fast as like they can and my dad's getting pissed, and at some point he's like, I'm not listening to this shit from a bunch of fucking blah, 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 blah. I can't remember what he said. But he hit his, the table with his fist, which is wow. a, big, a big deal because uh, he's gigantic. And um, that was a noticeable moment. And I was like, what the fuck is going on in this meeting? Like, what, what, is, wow. what, what it will happen now? And he just, like, gets up and goes outside. And I was like... And his assistant was, like, still sitting there. His assistant, who was this, like, wonderful guy who was a Hawaiian pacifist named Leonard. Um, uh-huh. He was, like, a big wave surfer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was just, like, still sitting there going, like, yeah, I don't know what to do. If I should get up or what. And I just followed my dad outside. And he was, like, we're leaving. Get the, everybody get in the car. We're going. I'm not doing this. Wow. Um, and apparently what they were doing was they were trying to, they were, they were calling into question my dad's historical um, oh. Oh. Um, references 
Uh, oh, look, Marine One just flew by my apartment. That's oh, nice. wow. wonder okay. who's in that. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> like what member of like, like it's like Susan Rice's Marine One just flew by. Um, so, um, no, so I, he was pissed because they were challenging his historical retelling, you know, because obviously my dad is like takes liberties, but he is quite a slave to history. Like he's like right. a massive history buff. Like to this day, you know, 10 years, 12 years after the stroke, he can still remember mm. the exact date of a battle that mm. happened in somewhere and he'll shout at you until you remember it too. Um, so it's, it's his, that being called into question was a big deal for him. And he was like, I'm not about to listen to these people because basically what China wanted is they weren't going to give their money or allow uh, it to be played in China unless the story of Genghis Khan was told the way uh, they tell it to their course, people. And course. that was not something that he was willing to do because wow. it wasn't true. Like he had right. a more historically accurate version, according to him. Fascinating. So what did you see? I mean, so that was your inter uh, a very powerful introduction to China's involvement. And, but yeah, I think you're right. I, and I, he'd I been, he'd been complaining yeah. about it too. I mean, he'd been saying like, it's, you know, he was, he was always talking about it where he's like, these fucking idiots are just listening to China. Like this whole industry is just purchased by China. Blah blah. blah. I mean, he right. was, he still was in an office. So this had to be like, a long time ago like i was like like i said like he was like pounding his fist about this like well before i understood what that really meant and certainly well before the national security establishment decided to hold briefings on it um right so it was uh yeah that was interesting to hear oh i was, I, I, I i think their whole setup with hollywood is actually a story that they tell their own people and Americans to demoralize Americans. Like, remember when they got John Cena to apologize in Mandarin? No, yeah, to see shit like that. Country? Right. That's insane. That's like, right. It's like, hey, we're going to take one of your big, famously macho guys and we're going to make him get and it down on his yeah. knees and grovel yes. and apologize. And now all of you need to grovel and apologize so you can get yeah. movies here to show in China. If you don't want your stock, uh, stock prices killed, you're going to all grovel and apologize just like John Cena. Cause that's and you know what's like so doing. sick? You know how easy it would be to just tell them to fuck off? You just make slightly right. less expensive movies. Like the kind of movies that everybody yeah. liked in like the 80s and 90s and like, you know, even big blockbusters. But the fact that they are, they've, they've cleansed themselves of storytellers and writers. So they must right. have you know, uh, Spider-Man, like, 4D or whatever, come out, like, Centivision or something. Like, they have to have, they can't tell actual stories anymore, so all they can do is sort of show off their um, newest special effects. And you can be like, wow, that explosion looks way more realistic than last year's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. That's all you're getting out of Hollywood anymore. Right. And the reason they do it and the reason they, they make only over 200 million and above movies, um, you know, is because of the Chinese and international audience. Like if they were just making movies for America that happened to do really well internationally, which was when we were actually spreading our mythology, when our culture was mm. popular, um, we'd be fine. Like, it's not like America doesn't want to go to the movies. Like, we can pay for right. it. Like, Hollywood could easily go back to the days of, like, uh, making, you know, $70 million movies or $100 million movies, like, instead of, like, you know, Avatar 10, that's, like, the, right. you know, advertising part of it is, like, none of it's real. Like, and you're like, okay. Are, <laughs> are there people, Are well, two questions. Are there people who want to do it and second part is, do you want to do it? Because I mean, you made a, you made a, a, a great documentary, um, and and of course I'm biased. Well, you a, wrote a good a, book. It's a, gr it's a so great it's movie, a... and and I and I I know you're you're planning to do a whole bunch of other documentaries. But I mean, the way that you understand not just the industry, but the way you understand the importance of stories, the way that you tell stories. So I mean. Will will you make features like the kinds of features? Yeah, that I mean American we have. Need. We, we need yeah, them, right. I mean, I mean that's the now idea. How important it is. 
No, and I mean, that's, that's, so we've got the eight doc fund and then on the side, we keep the scripteds um, individual and separately because again, they even at the size that we're doing them are so expensive that they have to be done with a partnering production company. So we've kept them sort of separate, but yeah, I mean, I have like three or four really, really amazing ones that are exactly in line with what I would want to do. That would be awesome. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason that like, Quentin Tarantino has only directed 10 movies his whole life, like, and he can do anything he wants. So it takes a little while to put them together. Um, but that's definitely the plan. And I absolutely think that, um, you know, and like, I, I have to applaud the other sort of right leaning companies that are trying to do some of this stuff. Um, you know, even though I make fun of them sometimes. Um, I, I think it's good. Basically, it's the Andrew Breitbart thing. It's more voices, not less. Right. It's not just the stuff that I'm going to direct out of, you know, my particular vision. Uh, it's making sure that, like, we end this nonsense of, like, oh, well, conservatives don't do artistic right. things. And that, like, by the way, I mean, cinema is, like, mostly a manual labor job. Like, just in case anybody mm-hmm. wants to know, like, it's not really all that much time spent being, like, terribly like thoughtful and creative and like wearing like a black sweatshirt or a black sweater and like having thoughts like there's no time for that really it's really more just about like lifting and carrying things in and out of cars so um (laughs) i've I've seen you guys work right i think it's uh so people should be more uh willing to have their kids go to film school um or art school in general um because i think it's a thing like sort of conservative families don't really do that much and and they, you know, I mean, when I was in high school, I was like a total weirdo. And I think there were probably uh, a handful more conservatives that ended up being conservative in my high school. But like, you know, I probably chased them out of art school because I mean, out of art class, because I was like such a weirdo and so interested in being like, like the artist kid at school. Um, but you've got to there's yeah, I mean, retelling the, the myth, the, the mythology of our country couldn't be more necessary now. I guess really one of the few people who's doing it is, as you mentioned before, Quentin Tarantino, right? I mean, well, his last movie was like basically the most right wing, awesome, like in the in the in the tone of my dad uh, Um, movie I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that's like that perfect. Yeah, it's so. We're talking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is that yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. Especially because it, it goes after my favorite mythology mm. of the left, uh, which is the Manson family. Um, right. Which is like one right. of the things I used to be obsessed with is this whole like, I mean, I would take it a step further. Obviously, there's plenty of movies you could make about like, you know, obviously the CIA involvement and everything that was going on that went horribly wrong for the hippies mm. in the 60s and 70s. But um um, but it's just such an awesome movie. Like the fact that like the, 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 um, um, heroes are like the sort of right. discarded, um, right. Discarded, yeah, the, the, uh, like the Western uh, star and the yeah. stuntman. It's the heartbreaking. heartbreaking at the end, isn't it? You see that and you're like, wow, what if that were all true? What would the last 45 years have looked like? Yeah. How would they have been different? Had, had these had these sinister monsters not had these sinister monsters never done what they did. Yeah. No, that's exactly what the whole, I think to me, that's, that's the message of the whole movie. I don't know if he knows that's the message of the whole movie, but that to me is what it is for sure. Just, just one other thing I got, just one other thing I got to say, I'm going to let you go in a second here, but just speaking to Tarantino, this is something that struck me recently. Did you notice that for, for especially now at the present moment when everyone is like, oh, fascist this, fascist that, Hitler this, Hitler that. Quentin Tarantino is the only guy who ever killed Hitler in a movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Can, that's so true. Can you that's believe so that? Amazing. Well, well, but what about but what about the ones where they show him? What about that one where, like, everything start the walls are closing in for Hitler? Um, the one, what is the one called where he's in the bunker? Um, oh yeah, right. I mean, they the don't, right. they don't kill him, um, um, uh, <laughs> no, fictionally. Right. They, they do it like supposedly as it happened, 
But that is so true and so funny. I mean, because like, you can, Tarantino you, is the only person that's willing. You can like, do anything you want in a movie. That's the great yeah. thing about movies. And he's the only guy who said, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to kill Hitler. <laughs> why, why not? And all the rest of these punks who talk for years and years about being such hard guys, like, call, kill Hitler, then pop off. Kill Hitler in yeah. a movie. You know? Yeah, and then you talk to me about like all the fascism. That, that is the be, funniest it can, thing. It can even be B roll, but kill yeah. Hitler. You know, uh, that's right. amazing. That's, that's, that's so probably, good. That's probably that's probably a good note to end it on. And well, but we'll I'm I'm gonna on. I'm gonna watch um, uh, I'm gonna watch that tonight. Um, what's it called? Yeah. Um, Once upon a time. No, Hollywood. no, what? no, the the Nazi one. The oh, Nazi I know Hunter what you're, one. I, right, I know what you're talking about because that's the Why one am I always, blanking on it? Um, I can't remember it either, and I can't remember the name of the lead actor who's a, a, a marvelous Pitt. actor. Brad Pitt? Uh, mm. oh, Brad wait, Pitt's which, in it. Oh, 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 that's the one. The, right, that's when Oh, the, Inglorious yeah, Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Bastards, yeah. We have to watch that. It is, it's just incredible. No one ever thought to kill Hitler before. What a bunch of, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll next time we'll speak and we'll do it soon. Okay, next time cool. We, we can we can pick it up on that, and also you know we're gonna want to know more about uh you know we're gonna want to know more about your awesome plans. I mean to make you know to make features because this is so important. I mean telling the stories, especially now, right? Especially now when they are trying to demoralize us, when they're yeah. trying to take you know they're trying to take all the beauty. All, all, all the surprise and, and strength away from this country. It's just so important. No, it's it's just awful. I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree. We should talk about this again. And, you know, maybe we should do a, we need, we might have to even um, um, rope in Devin, uh, which is my favorite thing to do. Oh, that'd to be rope, fun. Roping in the congressman to things he doesn't want to do is my favorite thing to do. That's, um, that's, so that's perhaps we force him to watch a movie at him and Kat, and then we can all yeah. talk about the same movie, but we yeah. try to tie those two down. That would be amazing. Yeah, that's right. Then we can have a conversation at the movie. And Jenny will be like, why do I have to watch this? I think we'll do... And we should you know do what? something. We should pick something really weird. Oh, no, no, I got No, I got it. We're going to watch... Uh, we're going to watch... It's going to be a Western. I'm going to suggest The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Oh, I'm down. Okay, well, we can do that. Okay. He'll watch that. All right. Yeah, All right, I'll do good. that. I could even get All my right. dad to watch that again. Oh, good. All right. Well, look, Amanda Milius, thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you so much, your Lee awesome Smith. awesome insights. And, um, and thank you, listening audience. And, thank you, guys. Uh, we'll see you again next week. All right, let's do it. See ya. Right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.